Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Ika Maiar, lead designer and Jarl at Burn West Games. His immersive debut title, Midhala, is a co-op fantasy adventure dungeon crawler that's currently available on Kickstarter. Ika, welcome to the binge. How you doing, my friend? Hey, yeah, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, now did I get the name somewhat right? Yeah, that was perfectly fine. <laughs> Close enough. Oh my gosh, we were just practicing this off air. As people know, I am notorious for butchering people's names. My name gets butchered all the time as well, so it's my way of paying it forward, I guess. But welcome to the binge, my friend. I'm so excited to talk to you about this uh, this game. It looks super exciting. I know you guys are just rocking it on Kickstarter, which is awesome. You were referred to us by Stefan Godot, another friend of the podcast, and always glad to speak with his colleagues and people that, uh, that he's mentoring. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. First, I kind of want to dive into your background. So did I read somewhere that you're like your IT was your your prior job or is that what you've done or what what's your kind of day job? Uh yeah, so I've been working in like after graduating from university, I've been working for 15 years roundabout in the IT industry. Wow. Mainly more in like coordination roles like project management and stuff like that or management roles. Um running different projects. It was an IT consulting, so moving around different firms and helping them with projects, all that kind of stuff, getting things sorted and organized. Um, yeah. Now, is is this like network type of IT or what kind of IT were you doing? Uh, across the board. So it was um, more, more software related for the most part, but mm. like cloud computing, AI projects, um, but also like um, apps, um, backend for apps, uh, where we introduced like a data warehouse for banking software, um, all kinds of kind of stuff. So I never really focused on one industry or one specific technology, which is what a lot of people do, but I actually enjoyed like touching on all the different things and just getting a feel for all the different things that are out there and just doing different projects. I also led a huge training program where all the different consultants from Europe went through that program once they got onboarded into the uh, into the company. So uh, really quite a broad range of, of things. And I always like to learn new stuff. So that was yeah. really cool. Oh, that's amazing. And, and where are you based out of? Like, where, where are you located right now? Uh, I'm in uh, living in Germany. Um, I'm actually based in northern Germany, so pretty much the northest part, somewhere between Hamburg, uh, which is like the larger larger northern city, and uh, Denmark. So those who know who know the place, maybe Kiel, um, but that's a rather small city of two hundred thousand, which is very close by. And the, I think formally it's 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 counted as a as a city where I live in, but it's like just eight thousand people or something, uh, which is oh, called wow. Eich. So no one probably is gonna know that unless they live really close by. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And it's, that's fairly close to Estonia, though, I believe, right? Like, is it like Mesa, Germany? That's a short train or? Uh, no, that's actually like, not even close. I'm living in Northern Germany and Essen is really like central Western part of, of Germany. Yeah, which okay. Is, for me, probably a five hour drive or something. Oh gosh. So when you go to Essen, you'll have to stay, stay there. Obviously you won't be able to just kind of come in for the day and leave then. No, no, no chance. Yeah, uh, not a chance. It's like here to Montreal. When people talk about Canada, they're like, oh, Montreal. Like, so do you go there for the day? And it's like, no, <laughs> no, that's a little far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did you get into gaming? Like what, what was your kind of gaming background? Is this something you've been doing since you're a kid? Or is this something that's kind of been more recent for you? Or how did you get into gaming? Um, 
yeah i think i've I've always been into into playing games or playing board games i mean back then it was like really basic stuff as a child obviously because the cool stuff wasn't available yet yeah uh, but then just some kind of more like randomized or typically card games and then start playing some some chess with my father and then at some point when i was around about i think 14 15 something like that then um settlers of Catan was invented and i was yeah. playing that for the first time and i was like wow okay that's cool played a lot of that and then at some point that got boring as well and then i got into like warhammer uh, pen paper role-playing games magic the gathering pretty much all the different things that were there but i kind of left board games behind a little bit because back then i there was nothing really more to explore for me at least i didn't know about it yeah and then like roundabout i think now 10 years back or something a friend of mine um he introduced me to agricola and power grid and i saw those played mm. those games I was like wow okay this is possible in board games that's cool and yeah a year later i went to essen spiel to the convention and i walked out there with like four or five heavy bags of full of games and like since then my collection has been growing and growing uh so yeah just got more and more into the whole playing all kinds of games and then kind of finding my own taste in games which games i like and so on and then branching from that and then getting into kickstarter stuff and spending way too much money on kickstarter but um yeah well <laughs> you need so to you're, you've been playing like some of the heavier type games uh in in, in obviously classical euros and things like this <clears throat> what about gateway games uh, anything lighter on your table at all that you play um rarely so like i really i i like like for me gaming of the, the i have the most fun when i have like really brain burn and like can really dive deep into like strategy and stuff um so that's that's what really is, is something that gets me to the table the most i mean I, I play some filler games now and then like seven wonders or something is pretty cool um, yeah. if, if you want to know like a, a game that i would play with as as to draw to get people into the hobby probably seven wonders would be one of those that i like to play and i enjoy playing myself but also like to play with people who aren't that experienced yet yeah uh, or five minute dungeon which is uh, like a totally different crazy game but yeah just uh, it, it, through it in five minutes and the adrenaline is super cool and when did you start like seriously looking at uh designing so is this something you kind of dabbled in uh like over the past like even back when you were playing magic and so forth or was designing something that's kind of been more recent for you um like professional designing something different but or even just designing, designing like my just own a, games kind yeah. of I, I think i designed my first own game when i was six years old or something wow. was a trump card game with 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 sun lotions where it was like okay protection factor 23 and then you try to beat the other cards something like that obviously i just played that with family and friends but yeah that's kind of when it started and then there were like these uh uh these these, these uh, mickey mouse comics that were available like the sticker ones and then i created a board game that was kind of connecting to one of the stories where you need to be able to read sections when you progress through the board game or something at the age of eight or nine or something i actually recently found that in like in, in uh in the attic somewhere and that was really cool looking at that now like uh, 30 years past so yeah uh, and then i got more into like yeah other games and i always like to invent my own stuff so for warhammer i love to invent my own armies and then kind of just made make entire new armies and new army lists and army books for something that i found cool um write my own stories around like kind of um yeah just um make up my own stories in terms of narration also for pen paper role-playing games that i play I love create love being game master and love creating campaigns for for the players and then modify the rules or come up with new rules and, and the new rule systems for that. So I've been doing that pretty much my my whole life. Um, mm. But this is the first time I'm actually going into that, being going into that professionally. 
And what made you take that step to go from, you know, the hobbyist of just, Hey, I'm going to kind of homebrew uh, games that I've, that I, that I have, or even taking kind of a fun little idea and kind of just playing around with it to saying, no, I'm going to formally make uh, a game. I'm going to make a board game. And uh, this is going to be something that's, that's serious. What, what made you take that, that step? Cause it's a big step, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Like, I think it was like just because I've been working in IT consulting for such a long time. Yeah. And I mean, I enjoy the challenges of that job and it was really fun and also IT and you meet a lot of interesting people and you always have different challenges every day. But like in terms of passion, it's not like that I stand up in the morning and say, oh, today I'm going to be rolling out this new um, creditor banking software. Awesome. That's really like where my heart is. It's just, okay, that's okay. But like, I, in terms of games, I, I felt like, okay, I want to try something, something different. So, uh, and then I said, okay, um, at first I did this on the, on the side and just uh, started to game design actually together with a friend at first. So we started um, with, with the game design, we said like, um, okay, we both love tower defense games and stuff like that. So, um, let's maybe do something similar as a tower defense, dungeon crawling stuff. And then we kind of got into this project and at some point. Then there was another switch when it came actually to to publishing because i always said like i want to try to publish my own game as well because i want to be in control of that um but i'm also well not i wasn't fully aware but i was like somewhat aware that this means a lot more extra work if you publish your own game instead of just designing it um and at that point i kind of moved into okay let, I, now i'm gonna go really um and try to push this through and, and get this done and get this to the table of players and yeah um and I just wanted to see if I can make something where I do that as a side business or maybe even a full-time business or something. I just wanted to try that and see where that, where, where that, where that go, how that plays out. So before this current iteration, was there any, any ideas that you kind of rejected? Like you started down a path and then you're like, ah, this isn't working. Let me just scrap this. Or did you kind of hit it on the first, uh, on this first kind of serious try? Um, so it was always about this game. So okay. I didn't scrap any games. So Metalla was the game that I started out with in terms of game design. Obviously, the game has gone through multiple iterations. So at the first, at the beginning of designing the game, it, it, you, you couldn't even finish the game. It wasn't possible. So there were like serious rules, mistakes in there. Yeah. Um, so and then it went through multiple iterations from kind of looking at to okay there's uh, now i fixed those but actually now the game takes us 12 hours to play who wants to play a 12 hour game obviously no one so how do we get the the, the time down and then the, you, you bring it down to four hours but if you're at four hours and you play at two players like four players is still eight hours so that's still not where you want to be and then you make some hard choices in terms of what do you need to cut to make this fun and make this exciting but also make it playable in a decent amount of time and then all these iterations happened one after the other and kind of then it comes to balancing testing and then at some point you come up with a theme and so you change some other things and well <laughs> just a lot of iterations going on to, to go through that whole whole process did the game or the story come first what, what came first for you um mechanics came first so kind of at first it was just kind of more of a generic fantasy game mm. which was always about dungeon crawling and tower defense kind of mixture of that but it didn't have like any narrative behind that or something. And actually until that, up until the point, I mean, Metalla is a campaign game. game. So, um, and I would say at least the way that 
I or in the beginning we developed Metalla was like focused on first developing the engine and bringing that to a point that that really works well and like all the different components that we later utilize can utilize to create separate scenarios all that was optimized uh, to a very high degree and then at some point then once it got into okay now let's think about how we want the campaign to play because now we have a working and well well refined engine to build that on at that point there was a question okay for a campaign, obviously, I want a narrative because, like, I'm a pen paper, passionate pen and paper role playing gamer. I want to have like story in there. I want to have characters in there. I want to have to be able to to relate to whatever is going on in this game, um, and I want players to be able to do that. So obviously, theme started to matter more. And then it was already set in a fantasy setting, but I wanted something that's more like um, well, I want something a little bit special. And because I'm living somewhere near a Viking trading post, an old one mm -hmm. here, it's like a one hour drive. I said like okay, something with Vikings would be would be cool, and so that was kind of the okay. So let's bring Vikings in, but I still I don't want to make a like historical historically accurate game. I want to create my own gods, my own demons, my own narrative and everything. And I want to actually bring players the coolest experience possible, which I feel is the best if I'm really passionate about it. So I want to do that, and so I mix kind of fantasy with Vikings together, and then I took. Uh, Midgard as a like the place where the humans live in or the people live in uh, the northern mythology and I took Valhalla uh, which is the place where the gods live and I kind of just creatively merged those two terms together hence the term Midhalla now and yeah that's kind of where where the whole theme thing started getting into the game and then obviously as I created more and more of the of the campaign uh, that brings brings back to actually well once you have a theme you want to bring it more into the characters and the enemies and everything so everything that I that we created up until that point also got altered a little bit because obviously I don't know there was something like a giant scorpion in the game doesn't really make sense in the Viking setting right so it may yeah. work in the fantasy setting but for Vikings maybe not the best choice so actually the bear that you can see on the cover somewhere up there um the the demon bear um that's actually the scorpion became the demon bear kind of thing so it fits more than northern mythology and like a lot of other changes in that direction as well um because in the end mechanics and and theme need to be play really well together to actually draw people in and create a bit of a story and a narrative as, as people play as well how long have you been working on this game um around about a little bit over three years now wow at what point did you bring the story in? So Midhala, what, when did that kind of reskinning come in? Was that like more recently or was that near the beginning? Like how how long did it take you, I guess, to nail the mechanics, I guess, before you started then reskinning with your own story? Um, I'm just trying to think. I think it was like after a year or one year and a half or something. So mm -hmm. the first year was pretty much just optimizing the core game mechanics or maybe the first one year and a half. I'm not quite sure. Uh, and then one for one and a half years or something Metalla has been Metalla with like the narrative and stuff in there and uh yeah it's cool I mean and I was telling you this off just before we went on air I, I said like where did Metalla come from like I know Valhalla right so there's some familiarity there yeah. and it kind of automatically I'm thinking okay halfway to Valhalla right you're kind of there's a battle somewhere in between here and Valhalla which is uh maybe on your journey to Valhalla uh it it was cool i'm showing uh for people that are watching either live or on the replay uh your kickstarter page you're i'm gonna put this in canadian dollars because it's quite frankly the only way i can see it but mm -hmm. you're at one hundred fifty-five thousand dollars on a goal of twenty nine thousand. so you guys are absolutely crushing your goal you got over 1100 backers already still 21 days to go uh you've got to be really really happy with uh how you've kind of hit this out of the gate 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm super thankful for all the the help that I've gotten and also for all the huge community support. I honestly, I, I didn't imagine it could go like it could work this well. Um, because I've, I've obviously seen a lot of other uh, and watched a lot of other first time creator campaigns. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty happy with, with how it turned out. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's been some, some crazy days, like the, the last few days and seeing this, this happen and actually seeing and realizing, okay, now we're at a stage where this will actually come to life and will be, will be working. It will be a big thing. So that's, yeah, that's, that's super cool. And then who, who did your video? Like your, I gotta say your video is just awesome on your Kickstarter page. <laughs> like it is, it just pulls you right in. Is this, yeah. is there somebody you can give credit to for that or? Yes, absolutely. Um, so that's Levi Thornton. You can also, or Cardboard Not, you can also find him on the, on the Kickstarter page. If you're interested in this, uh, in creating videos yourself or having them created for you, um, he's working with him has, has been absolutely awesome. And I'm super happy with what he did with the video and the materials and everything. That was really, really cool. Yeah, no, he did an amazing job. And even then the gifts and everything you have that are created from the video assets. Uh, again, I think when you look at a page like this, that is uh, as well put together it is, and, uh, you know, with such great artwork and graphics, it really makes it easy as a backer to look at it and say, hey, this is something that these guys actually put a lot of effort into um, and care, quite frankly, into the page. And if they're putting this kind of effort and care into the page, they must have put the same kind of effort and care into the game itself. And I think that probably speaks to what you have. Uh, can you talk to the game itself? So I've got it on screen here uh, for mm-hmm. people that are, uh, again, uh, maybe not watching, use some descriptive language if you don't mind, but can you kind of give the general overview uh, of how to play the game, kind of rough uh, play time, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe give people kind of the gist of uh, what this game is about? Yeah, sure. So Mithala is a cooperative dungeon crawler. So you play together against the game. There's no overlord or something like that. Um, and um, it's also got tower defense elements, or some people say it's more of a tower defense game with dungeon crawler elements. Depends on how you see it. But essentially, it's blending those two genres or those two kind of type of games together um, because you also build traps in Midhala to defend yourself and you defend a gate against demons. Um, that's kind of tying into the backstory as like in the story in this world of Midhala. Um, like hundreds of years ago, there was a war between demons and and humans, and uh, the the Vikings were able to close these uh, to, to defeat the demons, and they um, then they closed these underground um, dungeons from which the demons emerged with runic um, energy, and so um, after that, everything was was fine for some time, and now something is happening again, and we are kind of going into these dungeons trying to make sure that these demons don't break the seals and don't come out into the world of the living. And so we need to defeat, def- uh, need to defend the gate, which has these seals on them. Um, and that's kind of always one thing that we need to do in the game. So we need to protect the gate and we obviously need to survive. And how we play the game is um, the game is actually played across three cycles. And each cycle always consists of first exploration, um, then preparation, combat, and then rewards. So during exploration, what you do is you explore the dungeon and it's kind of like a choose your own adventure uh, choose your uh, yeah choose your own, own story adventure book kind of thing where you explore parts of the dungeon and then you can choose your your path and make decisions and and have read some story and things happen and you may be gaining some resources find some items whatever um and at some point you will encounter and that repeats until at some point you encounter enemies throughout the story and then that brings you to the next phase and the next phase is um, the uh, preparation phase. And in the preparation phase, um, we come to the dungeon crawler element of uh, no dungeon crawler, the tower defense element of the game, 
because then we want to for the, uh, want to build traps in the dungeon um, to help us defend this gate. We want can upgrade the, uh, the the traps. We can buy items. So there's a vendor on top of the dungeon waiting for us, and we can buy uh, some items there. And um, we can also use runic energy that we collected throughout the um, exploration, for example, um, to fortify map tiles to ward them against demons. Uh, which actually helps us because then we can build traps on there and also no enemies will spawn on these. So it gives us a bit more of a safe zone, which is always, there's always a small safe zone around the gate, but that expands that zone, which is super helpful for tactical decisions later on. Um, can you, can yeah. you talk a little bit about the deterministic uh, battles as well? Uh, I was watching a few yeah. of the reviews and it was mentioned more than once, right? Where people are like, yeah. this is a very cool mechanic versus kind of like the random uh outcomes yeah. you have with uh you know some of these types of games can you, mm -hmm. can you dig into that a little bit deeper do you mind yeah sure um that especially becomes part of the next phase which is the combat phase which mm -hmm. happens then which is like kind of um all enemies take their turn all traps take their turn all players take their turn and at that part once like uh, before you go into combat you spawn the enemies which is still a little bit random so you shuffle the deck and you spawn an enemy on each explored but not fortified reptile mm -hmm. and then all randomness is um, kind of, that's the last step in, in terms of randomness, because then you have full information for the rest of the combat where each enemy is, and you can position your heroes, and then you dive into this combat where you where it's enemies, traps, and then heroes taking their turns. And you have full information, you have full, full visibility, but it's too much information for a human to process. So you can't kind of calculate your way through the entire thing. Um, unless you want to spend days and have a notepad ready, then you can do that for one single combat phase. But um, sure. I've run hundreds of playtests and it just isn't feasible. No one has ever done that. So, um, and that that's really the kind of the, the the cool thing about this game in terms of combat. And combat is where you spend like seventy percent or something of the game. So that's really what what makes this game shine because um, it's it's you can you can see all the different abilities and you never draw you never roll any dice. You, and you never um, you never draw any combat cards like for example in Gloomhaven or something. Um, so you can really um, you really know what you want to do or what you can do in the game. But um, because there are so many different enemies, so each wave or each kind of combat phase will be either so starting from six up to thirteen different enemies or something. And all enemies in the game are unique, so there's not a single double enemy, and they all have different things that they do. Um, and then you have the players who on their turn actually can perform actions in a tableau. So you have a tableau-based action system per hero. So you, um, And you have two rows of skills. And in the top row, you will put your, your have one, one hero token that you put on one of the skills in the top row, which are usually four skills in the top row. And then you do the same thing on the bottom row. And once you put it on there, you execute that, which could be like movement, attacking, some special thing that you can do with your hero. And then you do the same thing on the bottom thing. The, th the thing about this is, on your next turn, you can't use the same action that you've used on the previous turn. Mm. So you kind of need to think ahead and see, well, if I want to actually, I, I mean, gaining armor is great, but if I don't need the armor on, on this turn, but I might need it on the next turn, maybe I don't use this skill now, even though it's theoretically better, because I want to use it on the on the subsequent turn. Or I want it even one turn after that. So I kind of need to have in my head, okay, I need to use it now. So next turn, I don't use it. So the turn thereafter, I can use it again. And so it, theoretically, you can think ahead for multiple turns or try to usually people don't think further ahead than maybe two turns and that's already quite good if people are able to do that but that's kind of the where the, all the strategy comes in so you need to really think okay how can i play around with my tableau to to actually fight against these 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 enemies because the enemies are theoretically relatively straightforward but because they all have different abilities 
that really becomes quite a challenge actually that you need to think through and i've seen people sometimes like trying to find their way through if it's a very complex combat and it's like a very strong enemy sometimes sitting there like for five minutes discussing okay how can we get this together and you need to discuss it because every player every character has a different has different abilities and kind of just kind of you need to find the best way through that and um i mean i've played the game hundreds of times now and and I have one demo scenario that I always use to demo it at conventions, which is shorter to allow people to play it. But even though the setup there is fixed where each enemy starts, even there I've seen tactics after 100 of plays that I didn't think of. And some of these actually work. So like even if you're really deep into the game, other people can still contribute to it. And that's one of the cool things about it. You will have these discussions. You will have these these thinking moments where people really want to, okay, how can we solve this, this puzzle? How can we get through this combat? It's just... And that's something that I like in other games, so which is why I brought this into Mithala as well. Um, I mentioned that I like thinky games, and that's one of the probably the thing where Mithala shines the most. I mean, there's other cool aspects around as well, but this kind of combat, I think it's pretty unique. I've never seen it. Yeah. And I've also seen like, I don't know, Rado, for example, saying that Mithala actually proves that deterministic combat works and is actually really cool. And that, that's something that I think this, this game does and makes it very special apart from, and sets it apart from many other games. I see in, um, and again, on your page, there there's in a number of places I see in this image where there's like these little plastic kind of holders for the dice. What are those? I was trying to figure out what the, are those traps or what are those? Exactly. So like if you see any dice ever in my game, they are there only to track stuff. They are never rolled. So um, like the, the, and these holders that those are actually different kinds of traps. So these are miniatures and you put the trap in there and the die is there to track the hit points of the trap. So I uh, understand. The trap okay. takes so it's a hit point tracker. Yeah, exactly. Because the enemies in Midhala, they can have three different types of targets. So some enemies just want to go for the gate and will just try to rush past you and try to destroy the gate. Um, for example, the bear has like a lot of hit points and just rushes past you and tears down your gate in a few turns. Um, and there's other enemies which are like, um, the, for example, uh, there's a cobalt trapper in there and he utilizes your own traps against you, but he also takes down your traps once he gets in range of them. So he will destroy the traps. And then there's other enemies who will just go for the heroes and try to take down the heroes. And so it, each enemy has like a different kind of target. And so you need to strategize around that as well. And maybe you can have, have the, the traps absorb some hit points. Uh, or yourself absorb some hit points and you will take damage it's just a question what takes damage and how much can you afford one certain thing to take damage and kind of strategizing around that is a big part of the game so i mean you guys are obviously uh in this kind of lore pretty deep what comes after this is there like a, a 2.0 of of this game like is midhala going to be like a franchise that's going to extend across a number of games number of campaigns Kind of what are your kind of go for plans after this? Or are you guys just kind of focused on this game right now? So right now, my focus is to get this out of the door and get this get this get this completed and then deliver it to, yeah. to the backer. So that will be 100 percent my focus at the moment. However, that being said, I have like tens or hundreds, I don't know, about, uh, maybe even over hundred, but I have a lot of pages of lore on the Mithala world, mm. all the different demons and everything. And there's like five arch demons in this world, and in Mithala. You fight against enemies from a, from like just one of these spheres of archdemons, so that's just one type. And there's so there's like lots of other things that I could create more content on. And if Metalla does well um, and is then uh, like if people like it, then I would definitely be open to create more in this world because I, I I really like it. And I also had to scrap a lot of characters from the game that I would actually love to bring back at some time. 
but right now my focus is really on this campaign and bring this game out and uh, yeah is there going to be a um as a designer uh, and i think mm -hmm. you mentioned that there's some other things you've been working on uh mm -hmm. is there like are they all within kind of this genre or have you kind of branched out and extended to other genres as well with your game design um, you can see the box of Metalla in the background and like maybe if you're listening to that not, but like I have a very small card game that is mm. actually the other project that I've worked just um, in the middle of this. Uh, so like working on a, on a dungeon crawl of this complexity with all the different aspects and mechanics and elements like as as of now took three three years. Creating yeah. this card game took me around about a week or two, and that one is actually ready already. Um, I will have a, like a small print run for for Essen Spiel probably where I'll be selling that. Um, but only just kind of more more for fun. Um, but this is a very different game. It's a five to ten minutes um, kind of area control card playing game. Will that go to Kickstarter eventually as well, or is it just be straight kind of selling to people? Maybe as an add on to this game in your pledge manager that type of thing, or um, that one is more like for for selling it directly. And I may, if people are interested, I may offer it uh, in the pledge manager as well. I won't mm -hmm. be doing a Kickstarter for it because obviously, like I, I don't think that's the kind of game I want to bring to Kickstarter and have all the effort for it. Oh, it's uh, tough, and... right? Because you got to think the amount of uh, investment uh, to get yeah. a game to the level they've got here uh, and success you have here. Um, the lower retail games are very, very tough to uh, have you know, good success with. I mean, you, you can get success, but yeah, success versus the profit uh, is that the, the numbers don't work very well, right? The lower the, uh, the retail is on that game, unfortunately. Um, I mean, we do that as a company as well. I've, we have larger games and then we've got smaller games and the smaller games typically go, um, we just produce them and, and sell them straight to consumer uh, through, you know, either through uh, like Amazon or, or even at conventions and things like that. Um, you know, maybe you get to a point where you can bundle a bunch of them together, but the math is really kind of favors some of these larger meteor games. And again, a testament to what you guys have here. I'm going to put a link in the show notes for those who want to check out this game. Uh, Medhala, it looks super cool. I mean, just to see the video and, you know, the animation these guys have put together alone, check it out. Uh, definitely uh, anybody that likes tower defense, dungeon callers, uh, I think would <laughs> probably have some high interest in this game as well. Uh, I, I, I just want to wish you all the best this coming year. Uh, hopefully I get to run into you at Essen. I'm going to be there as well. So hopefully you can go for a beer, my friend. And uh, yeah. I want to wish you all the best on the remainder of this campaign. Yeah, thank you. All right, my friend, you take care. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.